Genesis chapter 37, and starting at verse 1, it says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. These are the family records of Jacob. At 17 years of age, Joseph tended sheep with his brothers. The young man was working with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought a bad report about them to the father. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons because Joseph was, son, was a son born to him in his old age, and he made a robe of many colors for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. Then Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. There we were, binding sheaves of grain in the field. Suddenly, my sheaf stood up, and your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. Are you really going to reign over us, his brothers asked him. Are you really going to rule us? So they hated him even more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and told it to his brothers. Look, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun, moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. He told his father and brothers, and his father rebuked him. What kind of dream is this you have had? He said, am I and your mother and your brothers really going to come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. His brothers had gone to pasture their flocks, their father's flocks at Shechem. Israel said to Joseph, your brothers, you know, are pasturing the flocks at Shechem. Get ready. I'm sending you to them. I am ready, Joseph replied. Then Israel said to him, go and see how your brothers and the flocks are doing and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the Hebron Valley, and he went to Shechem. A man found him there, wandering in the field, and asked him, what are you looking for? I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph said. Can you tell me where they are pasturing their flocks? They've moved on from here, the man said. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph set out after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him in the distance, and before he had reached them, they plotted to kill him. They said to one another, oh, look, here comes that dream expert. So now, come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits. We can say that a vicious animal ate him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to save him from them. He said, let's not take his life. Reuben also said to them, don't shed blood. Throw him into this pit in the wilderness. Don't lay a hand on him intending to rescue him from them and return him to his father. When Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped off Joseph's robe, the robe of many colors that he'd had on. Then they took him and threw him into the pit. The pit was empty without water. They sat down to eat a meal, and when they looked up, there was a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. The camels were carrying aromic gum, balsam, and resin going down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what do we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come on, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay a hand on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When Midianite traders passed by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the pit and sold him for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelites who took Joseph to Egypt. 
When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, the boy is gone. What am I going to do? So they took Joseph's robe, slaughtered a male goat, and dipped the robe in its blood. They sent the robe of many colors to their father and said, we found this. Examine it. Is it your son's robe or not? His father recognized it. It is my son's robe, he said. A vicious animal has devoured him. Joseph has been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth around his waist, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will go down to Sheol to my son mourning. And his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guards. Chapter 39, verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken to Egypt, an Egyptian named Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guards, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him from them. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, serving in the household of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made everything he did successful, Joseph found favor with his master and became his personal attendant. Potiphar also put him in charge of his household and placed all that he owned under his authority. From the time that he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house because of Joseph. The Lord's blessing was on all that he owned in his house, and in his field. He loved all that he owned under Joseph's authority. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. After some time, his master's wife looked longingly, longingly at Joseph and said, sleep with me. But he refused. Look, he said to his master's wife, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in his house, and he has put all that he owns under my authority. No one in his house is greater than I am. He has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. So how could I do this immense evil, and how could I sin against God? Although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her. Now one day when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the household servants were there, she grabbed him by his garment and said, sleep with me. But leaving his garment in her hand, he escaped and ran outside. When she saw that he had left his garment with her and had run outside, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, my husband brought a Hebrew man to make fools of us. He came to me so he could sleep with me, and I screamed as loud as I could. When he heard me screaming for help, he left his garment beside me and ran outside. She put Joseph's garment beside her until his master came home. Then she told him the same story. The Hebrew slave you brought to us came to make a fool of me. But when I screamed for help, he left his garment beside me and ran outside. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, these are the things your slave did to me. He was furious. And he had him thrown into prison where the king's prisoners were confined. So Joseph was there in prison. Verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him. 
He granted him favor with the prison warden. The warden put all the prisoners who were in the prison under Joseph's authority, and he was responsible for everything that was done there. The warden did not bother with anything under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And the Lord made everything that he did successful. Today's title is Strategic Moves. Stay strategic moves. You know, I'm not much of a chess player myself. I'm more of a checkers player. But I played a little chess and know a little bit about the game. And having watched one of my brother-in-laws, who I joke around, I say he's a, he's a master at the chess game. Uh, if you ever watch a chess game and watch somebody who's really good, they may start to make some moves that seem questionable. You know, they'll put a piece out there that you like, that was stupid. Like, why would you do that? Why would you give that piece up? That piece is so powerful. Why would you just put that piece out there? I, I even learned, sometimes they call it, it's a, it's a sacrifice move because you're actually trying to promote a piece or you're actually moving in the checkmate. What may seem as a crazy, unorthodox, dumb, or weird move actually is a move for the win. We see this in the life of Joseph already because God is unfolding his master plan as he's bringing salvation to the world. He's using his crown of creation, humanity, and he's promised through this seed to come, going back in Genesis 3.15, he will accomplish this. We see that this promise has flowed through Abraham, it's gone through Isaac, now it's gone through Jacob, and now we're waiting on which one of these 12 is it going to be now, and all of a sudden Joseph starts to emerge. And we see him at, introduced at 17 years old, serving in his father's house. He's the 11th son of 12. He's serving, he's pastoring, and he serves as an assistant to his dad because he brings reports back and forth. And yet, a problem arises with his brothers. Now, we see this, this sibling rivalry. This hadn't been new, has it? This is going back, all the way back to Genesis 4 with Cain and Abel. And we keep seeing this sibling rivalry creeping back up. And when we read the, the funniest section of all the scripture, I told you when the, the wives are going back and forth about having babies and who going to be loved more and I'm going to get me a baby and you took my husband and all. The greatest soap opera of all time is in the Bible. It's hilarious. But they're going back and forth. Now we're going to start to see some of that emerge amongst the, the siblings. We see some hatred formed because of Joseph's position. Now, I do want to unpack a little bit something here because sometimes we project our own thoughts onto the text. We call it eisegesis. Like we start to put our own thoughts onto the text. And some people would think, they say, oh, they didn't like him because Joseph, you know, he was a good at two shoes. He was a, he was a tattletale. It says he gave a bad report on, on Dan and Naphtali and Gad and Asher. Those are the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah. You know, he, and, and he was a tattletale. But actually, the scripture doesn't portray him like that. It portrays him as one who, who's trustworthy, who's, who's doing his job, who's doing what he's supposed to do. And the brothers don't get upset because of him giving bad reports or not. The brothers get upset, number one, because he is favored by the, the father. Joseph is Jacob's favorite, and it says they hated him for it. Then he got a 
nice robe. We call it a robe of many colors. There's debate on what this robe might have looked like, but it was a special robe that he wore that none of the other brothers got, and it was to be put on display. This is my favorite, and they hated him even more. And then he had dreams of the future. Now, what's interesting is sometimes, and, and I love how God operates because God gives him two dreams, and they kind of think of, you know, I'm a movie buff. It's kind of like movie trailers. It's like coming attractions. You go to the movies, you get trailers of coming attractions, and they show you a bunch of stuff, but you don't really know what the movie's going to be about. You know, matter of fact, you know, how the Russo brothers have done with the Marvel Universe, you see trailers, and then you be like, I don't know what it's going to be about, but I can't wait to see it, Right? You know, he gets these dreams and he doesn't quite know what it means. But we find later in Genesis chapter 41, the reason he has two dreams is because God is confirming what he is about to do. And the text says the brothers hated him even all the more for the dreams he had. One of the things we learn right off the bat is this. And we have to check ourselves. Not everyone is going to be happy with God's plans in your life. Not everyone's going to be as excited as you are. We see in the text, some people debate, you know, was he being naive? Was he being boastful? The text doesn't portray him as boastful. The text just portrays him sharing. He's just giving a report about what's going on, almost like he's trying to figure out what do these things mean? Because there's no interpretation of the dream other than his father. and says, uh, so you're going to rule over us and the brothers, are you going to master over us? You're going to rule over us and we're going to all bow down to you? Not everyone's going to be excited about God's plans for your life. But there's also another, another lesson for us right at the beginning of this. We have to check our envy, y'all. You know, a lot of our culture, we talk about haters today. People, people love to talk about haters, right? People love to talk about their haters. But you know what real hate is? Hating really is just jealousy. It's envy. You look at something, and one of, the, one of the studies that talk about with teenagers and one of the struggles is there's this culture of comparison that's just destroying our teenagers' minds and adults because of the social media. We're constantly comparing our lives to the lives that people are displaying on social media. And we know that's a bunch of that's fake anyway. People are showing the high, highlights, and then all of a sudden you see stuff in the news like, how, how are they breaking up? I thought they were the perfect couple. Or I thought, they, I thought they had the perfect life. How did they lose the house? And how did, are they going to jail? I thought they were, you know, it's all just what we portray. But because of the comparison and what happens is we start to become envious. And we like, they shouldn't have that. I should have that. They don't deserve that. I deserve more than they have. And we start to play this comparison game and get envious of what they have. And we become haters. His brothers have become haters. Why? Because they envy that he's favorite. They envy that he gets the best of and they envy the dreams that he has because they see how you going to be over us. And that envy and that hate, when it goes unchecked, will take you down a road that you never imagined. Because as the text unfolds, what happens? They plot to kill him. They go from having a younger brother who's working with them and serving to now I, we can't stand him so much as siblings. We're going to plot together and actually kill him. Now, as evil as that is, let's just think about the implications. Man. Not only are you going to take a human life, you're going to take your brother's life. Not only are you going to take your brother's life, but you know how much it's going to crush your daddy because he loves him. 
So your hate has gotten so strong that I don't care about my daddy. I don't care about his life. All I want to do is feel better about me. When we don't check our envy, when we don't check our haterade, because the truth be matter is we all haters at points. The truth is, let's be honest. Let's be honest. We all got that in us. No matter how successful we see somebody, I mean, they don't deserve that. Why they, why they got that? We see somebody from high school we ain't like. Why, that shouldn't be. That shouldn't be. How in the world? We got to check that. We got to give that to the Lord. That hate causes them to plot to kill their brother. But God has a plan. Two of his brothers, Reuben the oldest, and then Judah step up and they said, let's, let's not kill him. And Judah comes with the plan. Let's, let's, let's just sell him. Let's just sell him. And then we'll, 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 one, he's our flesh. That's one thing he says. But then two, he said, what do we gain? Judah said, like, look, let's, let's at least get something out of this. We're going to get some money out of it. Let's not take his life. And he's our brother. Let's not do him that dirty. He's like, you know, it's like one of them things. Is, hey, can you imagine Joseph at this point? Like, my brothers done betrayed me. They throw me in this pit, took my robe, and now they plotting to kill me. And then all of a sudden you get pulled out the pit only to be sold as a slave. As bad, as horrible as this sounds at this point, I want you to go back and think about God's promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through his seed and what God has already shown Joseph in his life. At this point in Joseph's life, it's very common for him to get discouraged, to get him to get down, to him to get dismayed in despair, throwing the towel mentally, emotionally. But we see Things are not as bad as they could be, and there seems to be purpose in what's happening. There's direction in what's happening. He's taken from his home, from his land that was promised to the family, and now he's going into Egypt, into a foreign place, different culture, different language, and sold into the house of Potiphar. That's a bad situation, y'all. That's a bad situation. What's more amazing is if you're reading this for the first time, you get into chapter 39, and in verse 2, it makes the craziest statement about this situation. We're reading it from our human standpoint, right? My brothers have sold me out. They plot to kill me. That's how they feel about me. They want to kill me. They decide not kill me, sell me as a slave. I'm going away to a foreign place. I'm sold into this house. And then the text says, but the Lord was with him. Hold on, man. How is the Lord going to be with me in that kind of situation? Because most times when we get in bad situations, when we get in places, we figure there's no way we should be here in life. How did I arrive in this place? We can forget or misunderstand and think God is not with me when in actuality, this may be a strategic move for something he has planned. God has given him a foreshadowing of things to come. He's given him a vision of coming attractions. He doesn't know exactly what this is going to look like, but God has strategically moved him from that house into this house. And God shows it's his plan because the Lord was with him and he made everything he did successful. Now, 
there's this, there's actually kind of this, 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 um, I'm going to use this word, and I'm not using it the theological way because if I got some theologians in here, they may get mad. But there's this synergism that's starting to go along here because God is working behind the scenes. But then we see Joseph's work ethic, his character, his integrity, the kind of person he is, that he is living for the Lord all the more, even in this horrible, despicable situation. Too many times we get in bad situations, we get in horrible circumstances, and what we do, we throw in the towel and we just live however. I've known people, I've known people, I've known people that have lived for the Lord and served in church for years, and then a spouse dies, and all of a sudden they start living wild as I don't know what. And I'm sitting there like, Who, who's Lord? I know that's a bad situation, but, but who's Lord? You can continue to serve God in a bad situation. Or somebody get down and out and they lose a job. Or, 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 or a child dies. Or something happens and all of a sudden they just go off the handle and just start living all kind of reckless type of living. Like God doesn't exist at all. We see in Joseph's story, though, in a horrible situation, he's still continuing to make decisions based off of the Lord and the Lord's will and way. He's serving the Lord, and, 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 and notice how God's hand is on him. And, and God's promises are starting to be fulfilled through him because what did God tell Abraham? Uh, I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. And then he says this, and, and through you the nations will be blessed. We're already starting to see that manifest because now not only is Joseph being blessed, not only is Joseph taking care of business and being successful, it says that Potiphar's household is blessed. His fields are blessed because of Joseph. You want to know what starts to happen when you walk in God's will? You want to know what starts to happen when you walk in God's word? Not only will you be blessed, but everybody around you will reap the fruit. That's sometimes, that's why, you know, that's really why some of y'all, you may have a boss that don't know the Lord, but they want you there because they recognize uh, some with you just works. There's something great with having you. I just want you around. God's hand is on him and Potiphar's house is 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 thriving. And as we're reading this story, this sounded good. It's like, oh, things starting to look up for Joseph. And then, uh-oh, here comes something else. Now, I, I love this part because sometimes you think, you know, as, you know, people of God, we got to be all boring and, you know, we, we get stereotyped how we supposed to look. The text, you, you know, when the Bible says something about physical, it, you, think about what that means. The Bible says Joseph was well built and he was handsome. Just, just let that marinate a little bit. The Bible said it. The Holy Spirit-inspired writer Moses wrote the words. Joseph, you know, Joseph was fine, y'all. Joseph had it going slap on. Joseph was a physical specimen. Why? Because God said so. Right? But he had it going on. He got it going on physically. Everything around him got it going on. And Miss Potiphar can't take it no more. She's like, boy, get over here. <laughs> You know what's a trip? What, you look in the text, it says, she, she didn't just come to him one time. She's like, hey, uh, come, come, come on, come on, come on, let's get it. And he like, no, we can't do that. And it says she came to him day after day. I mean, just think about what his life was like. He walking through the house, and she just, I, I don't, I, I don't want to put anything to the text. All I'm going to say is day after day, she was propositioning him. 
whatever that was in Egyptian culture, she was putting it out there constantly. <laughs> to the point she couldn't control her lust anymore. Now, we can learn from both sides of this. We can learn from Joseph's example, but let's, let's take a learning lesson from her right now. We better check our lust. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's good to the eyes, and you just uh, you better check it. Because it take you down another path that you don't want to go. It says that she was lust, and then she got to the point to where it went past asking. It went past propositioning. It got to the point where it was a demand and a grabbing. She grabbed him up and said, let's get it now. Let's get it on. And Joseph runs. He sprints. I, there are two pastors that I, that I, I, I respect very well. And, I, and I, when I heard their stories, all I could think about was Joseph. You know, uh, they, they both share similar stories. I'm, I'm a, one of them, um, he was out of town preaching at, a, at an event, and he was in the lobby. And a, and a beautiful lady propositioned him in the lobby. And he listened to what she said, and he turned around, and he sprinted out the hotel. And I heard him do that. And I'm thinking, because he's an older guy now, and I'm, one I'm trying to think about, I can't imagine you running. But praise the Lord, good example. And then another one, which another much older guy, he said he was on an elevator one time, and he was preaching at an event out of town. He was on the elevator. Two very young, good-looking, attractive women got on the elevator, recognized who he was, and they propositioned him together, two ladies. And the, 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 the elevator just happened to open up with some people to come in, and he took off between everybody. It wasn't even his floor. And he was like, you got to flee from that thing, you know. And it's a great example. Joseph was like, look, I got to go. He runs up out the house. But notice before his rejection of it, it had nothing to do with what she looked like. It had nothing. To, all it had to do was respect for his master, Potiphar, and God. And what did he say? He says, how could I do such evil and sin against God? The standard in the situation at the end of the day was God. And he says, I will not dive into sexual immorality. Why? Because it's against God. How many of us are making decisions today based off of it's against God or not? Forget what the world got to say. Forget about what the culture got to say. Forget about what your political party got to say. What has God said? And will you make your decisions based off of thus says the Lord or what the new thought of for the day is? Joseph flees. He does what is right. He is a champion for the Lord in this moment, only to get lied on and thrown in jail. That stinks. That stinks. You stand for the Lord and then get lied on? How is God going to allow me to get lied on when I'm standing for him? How is God going to allow me to get punished when I'm making decisions for him? What may seem like a punishment or a bad result may be another strategic move because God has great purpose in mind. So don't make your decisions for the Lord based off of what you think may be an earthly consequence, good or bad. Make your decisions for the Lord because he is the Lord. And then out of that, know that he has some things in mind we may can't even comprehend right now. We may can't even imagine right now. God's timing and God's perfection, we can't grasp it, but may we just rest in his promises. He sprints up out of there and he, he's, he's, he's lied on. 
and he's thrown in jail. Now, some people do debate whether Potiphar fully agreed. He's captain of the guard. Matter of fact, as listed, he might even been over the executioner. But instead of him just killing him immediately, he throws him in jail. So some people debate whether Potiphar like fully believed in his relationship with Joseph. Uh, we don't quite know that, but we do know Potiphar decides to just throw him in prison, and he's not killed immediately. That's also letting us know God, God has his, his purpose. This thing is, is going somewhere. Matter of fact, you go back in the text. What did it say when Joseph heard the dream? When, when Jacob, sorry, when Jacob heard the dream, it says that he rebuked him, but he kept the matter in mind. God is making some strategic moves that don't seem very pleasant. You know, I, I remember some years ago, I was, I was on fire for the Lord, and I was like, Lord, I will do whatever you want me to do, God. I will serve you however you want me to serve you. And then I went to bed that night. Like right after that prayer, I went to bed that night, and I started dreaming. And I don't even know why because I wasn't reading the story. I started dreaming about Joseph's story, and I woke up, and I said, okay, God, I will do whatever you want to do, but I don't want to go to jail. Like, so call me to do something else. Like, I don't want to, matter of fact, I don't want to, like, I don't want to be sold into slavery. I don't want to be stolen and sold into slavery and then go to jail. I, and I'm trying to live for you. So can I just be salt and light as a free man? You know, it's, it's interesting because when you look at everything that's going on, Joseph goes to jail. And you're reading this and you're like, man, this, this is terrible. And then the very next line is, but the Lord was with him. And even there, everything he did prospered. Matter of fact, just like at Potiphar's house, the warden saw God's hand on his life, and he put him in charge over everything. Matter of fact, the warden was getting there. He was sitting up in there getting paid, wasn't doing nothing, because Joseph was running everything in the jail. He said the Lord was with him in everything he did. Now, this is something that I want us to be encouraged by and, and fueled by, that God's favor upon you and his presence with you is not dependent on your placement or happenstance or earthly circumstance. Because God will use you in places you never imagined he would use you. Because he has plan, purpose, and direction for you. So don't get discouraged and think God no longer loves me or God is no longer with me because you find yourself in an uncomfortable or undesirable season of life in a bad place in life and in a horrible situation because while all of us may have been mistreated and, and we may have some people that's done some abuse and things like that I, I, I don't know if our stories kind of go like 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 this one where your whole family done thrown you out wanted to kill you you in a foreign place you don't even speak their language you got to learn their language and 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 you you're a slave and then you, you get loud on and you're thrown in prison Yet the Lord was with him. If the Lord can be with Joseph, then if you belong to the Lord by faith in Jesus Christ, you know no matter what situation you're in, he's still with you. He says that he's put his spirit in you by faith in Christ. So don't let your circumstances try to make you be determined where you are with the Lord. Because you know what? God may say, I want to use you here and I'm going to do something major through you. And other people are going to be blessed because you're here. 
Now, now we, we can read this story, and a lot of times we put ourselves in this story like we're Joseph. Most likely, we're mostly like Joseph's brothers, if you be honest. You know, because a lot of times in our, in our flesh, we, we, we push back against God's plan. But as sons and daughters of the Most High God, may we start to learn from Joseph. Because when you look through this story, and as we continue over the next few weeks, Joseph, Joseph is portrayed as this type. You know, Joseph is portrayed as this exemplary type of figure that's actually pointing forward for the consummate man to come, Jesus Christ. We see this in Stephen's speech where he even relays Joseph's story, how Joseph was rejected at first, but then later what happened, and he says, he didn't even get to finish because he starts to take this to Jesus and then they kill him. But he's showing you like, this was God's plan unfolding the whole time. God is using Joseph in some kind of, you know, undesirable type of situations, but he is his tool because he's setting the stage. I say strategic moves because God wants to use us strategically, and he will move us strategically. Let's not push back on that. Let's embrace what God is doing in our lives. May we put our full faith and trust knowing that God knows better than we do. And God knows the end from the beginning. So may our contentment be found in him, not where we are right now. Because we see Joseph in high places, back in a low place. We see him at a peak, and then he's in a valley. We see him in a peak, then he's in a valley. He goes from being the favorite son, exercising some form of authority. He's reporting to his dad. He has all his favor and love. Life is good, only to be hated, thrown into a pit, and deliberated on whether he's going to live or die. He gets slowed into slavery instead of that. So, oh, we're on the way back up. At least I'm not dead, so now I'm a slave. I got, a, I got another day to live. He gets to a house, and then he rises up. He's in charge. He's living well. He's over everything. You're looking at, think about this. He's a slave in a house. He runs everything except picking the food that the master going to eat, and he can't touch the man's wife. Think about that. He is, he is balling. This is a captain of the guard. He's living well, only to get lied on and thrown in prison. Life is full of peaks and valleys. Life is full of ups and downs. May our worth and identity not be found in the valley or in the peaks. May it be found in God's truth. Amen? Amen. 